My name's Sushi and I'm a brown woman who used to work in the charity sector, but I don't anymore. The point of this podcast is to add another brown voice to the conversation and a chance for Mandy and me to chat about some of the content in the podcast. And my name's Mandy and this week I asked Sushi if she could listen to episodes 12 and 13 of This Is Not The Mandy Johnson Show. It's not the Mandy Johnson Show. So what did you think about the podcast? Yes, oh my God, she's so incredible, isn't she? She's amazing, Um, isn't she? It was so relatable. What I thought was really interesting was how fully aware she was of all the, the qualities that she brought, that she was bringing to the roles that she was applying for, all the skills that the charity sector claims to want. Yeah. But it came down to this fit thing and this fit thing is just so debilitating mm-hmm. when you can't define it and because you can't define it, the decisions behind it are going to be biased. Yeah. And you very hard to explain to someone that that's what's going on. Yeah. So I thought that was really, really interesting. I think it was amazing that she kind of pinpointed that as a problem because one of the things that I've experienced when I was when I was job hunting and also the things that I I heard time and time again from people of colour was this idea that you don't know if it's you or the organisation or the system. You, you mm-hmm. can't tell if you're the problem, if you haven't got enough skill, if you haven't got enough experience, if you don't have the right qualities or if something else is going on and you'll just never know because you'll never be able to rewind the clock and, and see it from, you know, you'll never be able to compare directly. So I thought that was incredible that she kind of pinpointed it so clearly and was so very clearly able to define exactly why she knew that was the problem. Yeah, that was great. I mean, yeah, I found it such an eye opener. Um, And I think I say in one of the episodes when she talks about fit I have been that recruiting manager saying we need to have someone who fits in really well. Um, Absolutely. And just hadn't thought about the consequences of what I was actually saying there. Um, you know, and I mean, I like th- a person of colour can't fit into a, a group of white people. Yeah, and it's something I would even think of as a person of colour. I also think about that as well. I'm thinking, what's the right fit? <laughs> oh, they're yeah. not the right fit. You know, and and actually, it's making sure you unpick what you mean by that. Yeah, even as a person of colour who's in part of this racialized society, I am subject to that as well. Mm. So for me as well, I need to understand how I'm doing it. I will be doing it and discriminating as well all the time. Yeah. The other thing I thought was really interesting was her use of this term racialized identity. Yeah. Because I had, as you pointed out, you hadn't heard it before. Heard of it before? I hadn't heard of it before. I did a quick google search on it it seems like something that the canadian human rights commission is using the why i thought it was interesting and i don't think this was was the motivation for using this term but it could be seen as a term about how society perceives you rather than what you are so when it comes to disability the social model disability says that you describe disabled people as disabled people not people with disabilities because this society is disabling you mm-hmm. and in a way the racialized identity thing kind of fits in with that as well although I don't think that was actually the motivation so I'm not sure I'm ascribing a meaning that doesn't actually exist I think but that's what I initially thought when I was researching it but that would be interesting to explore the changes in language because there's such conflict about the terms to use to the point where even I when I say people of color, fame, brown woman 
I'm not sure if people understand what I'm saying. And also, it's not always the right term in yeah. context. Yeah. That also creates the problem of people don't want to have the conversation because they don't know the terms to use. So they're too frightened to engage in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so you heard that was the first time I'd heard this term racialized and I've been on a learning journey since. It's a term that's used in the book White Fragility. So I learned something about it through there. And then I also listened to another really good podcast the other day that was talking about white people spend most of their time not realizing or not thinking about the fact that they're white and that's a privilege in itself the fact that we don't have mm-hmm. to think about our race on a day-to-day basis and how it impacts mm. us is a privilege actually white people should be thinking about our race every single day because it does impact us and it impacts people mm. around us but we are not a racialized race we're just accepted as the norm which means mm. we get treated as individuals whereas people of color fame people get grouped exactly yeah I am Mandy and it's Johnson. Different. You are a person of colour. You know, it's, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's difficult because obviously the other thing about racialised identity is it, it doesn't have much take up in well, it just doesn't have much take up in the UK. So no, one, no, not yet. no, we understand what it meant, but I do think it's really interesting as a concept to be interested to see if it does become more popularized the the other bit that i want well there were i mean there's so much of it that i wanted to talk to you about she just talks about the fact that she is a privileged person which yes, i know yes, is something yes. that that you've talked about previously so she yes. at the end of the of episode 12 the first part she talks through her experience of moving to canada and discovering that the indigenous people were treated in, or continue to not be treated properly and she recognizes that she's really privileged and there's always people who are less privileged than you that was one of the bits that was just so relatable because I was just thinking this is the conversation that you are unable to have as a person of colour because you're constantly having the black and white conversation. You're just having this very binary, I am brown or have some kind of melanin in my skin and you don't. And that's not enough. It's just, it's too basic. And it also means that we go, you know, people with melanin in their skin are one thing and people without are another thing. And that's just not true as we've discussed before. It's we want to have conversations about the fact that I want to have conversations about the fact that I have a lot of privilege and what that means and how difficult that is and also how easy it is for me to do certain things and how I'm able to code switch in certain ways that other people aren't able to code switch. And I also am learning. That's the other part of it that I find really frustrating. I don't have all the answers as a brown person. I don't I don't know what it's like to be a black woman. I absolutely do not know what it's like to be a black woman. I'm learning about that. I'm on that that same journey with other white people who are learning about it. So I I think that's also really interesting. It was just it was amazing when she was talking about, you know, the kind of how she understood her own identity. And also like I find it really I just still can't believe that she didn't, you know, break in. I still no. that bit is just really fascinating to me that she just still can't get over that. She had everything. <laughs> she had all the languages. You call the languages as well, you know, like that's something that often in international development organizations they're quite, oh, it'll be a great thing if you can do that. And I, I still can't get over that. Anyway. Well, and they're yeah. letting in people who've done a gap year in her home country. I know because they've that got was experience. So, yeah. And I've seen, I've met those people, I've met all of those gap year students, you know, that are now working in international development. Yes, yes, yeah, definitely. 
one of the things that was really interesting from the second episode, mm -hmm. part two, was this idea of not going with the flow. Mm -hmm. It goes back to this fit idea that, you know, if you're not, if you're the right fit, you're not going to challenge or disrupt. I've taken me a long time to realise, but when I first joined the charity sector, I just knew I didn't fit in at all. Mm -hmm. And I think actually what I've come to realise is I'm not the right fit. And one of the reasons I'm not the right fit is because I do like to say things quite honestly and if you don't do that if you go along with the flow you're able to smoothly go through things and, and not disrupt the kind of what's going on yeah I'm just not that person clearly do you think also, the sector lacks disruptors and I think I think the sector just doesn't like people that challenge it and I find that really interesting because it's at a point where it is being challenged by everything else, like technology, the lack of funding, the change in donor behaviour. Mm -hmm. So the world is just is almost disrupting it rather than the people inside it. Mm -hmm. The problem is that this is one of those things where I don't know if it's me or, or if it's the sector. I feel like I don't get on with it partly because automatically there's an assumption that I won't fit in. I don't look like my, I didn't look like my colleagues when I was working in the charity sector, apart from the fact that I code switch and I, you know, I assimilate because it's always been easy. I even assimilate with my name. I call myself Sushi. I don't use my you know, given name because it's easier for people to say. Yeah, I've always wondered if that was the reason that I didn't fit in. And I think listening to her made me think it might have been. So do you feel like you weren't your authentic self a lot of the time when you were working in the sector? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because I tried really hard to do that because that was something that you were told to do. The charity sector loves this idea of bringing your authentic self to your work, to the workplace, right? Yeah. And what I found was right now, weirdly, I'm working in a place where, yeah, there's a lot more structure, I would say, and I prefer it. I prefer this kind of clear distinction that actually we want you to be your work self at work and you can be your play self at home or when you're outside of work. And I'm like, great, I like that. I like the clear distinction <laughs> that mm. brings it. I like almost like the idea that it's not pretending to be something it's not. Because I felt like in the charity sector, there was a desire to bring your authentic self, but actually know not too much of your authentic self. In fact, mm. leave all the brown bits at home because actually that's just too much for us. But all that bit where you assimilate in and you fit in and you go to the theatre and you, you watch mm. those plays and you bring your your little bit of culture to us, great. And it's okay you cook us a curry, lovely. But um, <laughs> otherwise, I just felt like it, was, it wasn't real. And that was quite hard. And it, to the point where it just was like, you know, you're telling me be my authentic self, blah, blah, blah. But actually, you don't want it. <laughs> you don't want that. And I'd much rather you just tell me, no, don't bring your authentic self, bring your work self, and you can do your playtime outside. And that's fine. I think with the charity sector sometimes, there is this you know it's quite low pay it's very long hours there's a lot of expectation that you work outside your hours mm. not, not always not in every charity I would say and some charities are much better than others and there's de different cultures across the board and I would never want to generalize in that sense because definitely saw much better practices in different places 
but I would say that there definitely felt like there was this weird, this unspoken rule of we're not able to pay the, the higher salaries, but we'll give you a workplace that you want to come to. It wasn't like that for me. It was like that for other people. You know, the people that like to do yoga in the office. And I like to drink. I, I am an Asian person that does drink, but a lot of Asian people don't drink. Mm. But if you like to drink, you'll be fine as well. Yeah, I think if you had to be a certain person and there was only a few roots of what that person looked like or a few identities of what that person looked like for you to kind of fit in. Yeah. Fascinating. Thank you. This is not the Mandy Johnson show. This is 